my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome, everyone, to Beach Commute. We are the digital nomad experts. Uh, today, I'm Jeff, coming to you from Romania. Just got here a couple days ago. We've got Diego. Where are you at today? In uh, Florence, in Italy. Nice. Marissa, where are you? I am in Bengsko, Bulgaria, but I'm coming to meet you tomorrow in, uh, in Bucharest in Romania. And he's I don't think he's very excited about it. <laughs> I just told him I was going. <laughs> Diego said he didn't look very excited when I told him I was coming tomorrow. <laughs> and they didn't invite me. I don't. Me, so. I don't. Do, I don't do that well. I don't. <laughs> I once once Diego once told us that uh, he doesn't miss people. Do you remember that Diego? Like when people leave, they don't. You don't yeah, miss them. Yeah, you always uh, hold that over my head. <laughs> you don't forget that one. I always will. People don't forget. That's why we didn't I, invite you. You don't miss that. Us. Harsh. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Similar to that, I don't get excited. It's weird. I don't get excited about trips. People ask me, are you excited about this trip? I'm like, no, nah, not really. I'm not really excited until it happens. Like, almost like my brain needs proof that it's happening before I get pumped up. I feel the same way. So it's way, not Jeff. you. It's me. All right. But this isn't a trip. This is me coming to see you. This is not you going somewhere. And I haven't seen you in like two years. <laughs> but fine. And Diego, you're going to Romania I'm a bad soon person. after what do you want? us bad friend right but I, th- I think i'm just gonna gonna miss you guys which is really really sad we we always we always do this we always try to we try to coordinate and then somehow we all manage to miss each other well, i'm so happy that you guys are actually gonna see each other yeah but i guess such is life, life of, of digital, digital nomads, nomads. <laughs> so but, speaking of locations jeff what are we talking about today so last time we covered or previously we covered good starter locations for digital nomads where you want to go when you're first just getting your feet wet we covered about six, five or six different locations. Now we're going to expand out a little bit. We're going to start covering um, locations that are a little bit more mid-tier, right? So they're probably going to be your second stop or even your third stop in your digital nomad life. So we've built a list of places and we we're kind of scattered all over the place. We've got some Latin America. We've got some Europe. Um, I don't know if we have Asia or not. I don't have a list in front of me, but we're going to cover a number of places. We got some Asia. Okay, cool. We're going to cover a number of different places um, briefly and and chat about our experience there and why you should go there um, and things to look out for. So without further ado, where do we, why don't we start in Latin America and then we'll start working our way. How do we want to do it? Clockwise? Do we do that in a globe? Can you go Clockwise. Clockwise. (laughs) That's how I think about my travels clockwise. Cir- <laughs> Circum-something? Circum Don't even go there? Yeah, something like that. We'll just go down the list. We've got 12 locations. And um, Diego, I'm going to throw it to you. What makes these, so when we talked about the six like first grade starter ones, before we jump in, what makes these like the medium tier, like the places to go after you get a little bit comfortable with the nomad life? Yeah, great question. So we we talked earlier about the ones that are like the you know the must must go places really something that makes it a lot easier for you to start at when you're when you're first getting onto this uh, this whole journey now these are pla- the next ones that we're going to be talking about today are places that are a little bit more challenging so maybe there's not all of those things that you would have you would have um, heard about 
as we talked about those easier spots. There's some areas that are going to be a little bit more challenging about them, but there's still going to be amazing places to go to, places that really do tick a lot of the boxes. Um, so it'll be different things that are maybe, you know, you could say, quote unquote, missing for some of these different places. We'll try to touch on what those things are as well so that you can really make that decision for yourself, what you, you know, what matters to you, what you need, what you what you don't worry about so much. Um, but yeah, some of those are a little bit more of a challenge as well. And that makes them quite fun, too. So Perfect. Looking forward to that. Is there anything I'm missing to well, add? I think as I think about the first, if you haven't listened to our previous episode, check it out, which is the first six starter locations. So if you're just getting started in this life, check that out first. Um, but I think as I think back to that episode, the things that made those locations great starter locations were things like a great digital nomad kind of community that's really easy to tap into, really strong Wi-Fi that you never have to worry about, maybe pretty easy to get to from an airport. I think those were and just an enjoyable location. So these are usually missing, like maybe it's harder to get to or the community is not as easy to tap into or just something like that. So we'll talk about them. But let's kick it off with Florianopolis, Brazil. I feel like you'll say it with a better accent, Diego, if you want to give it a shot. And I think you're the only one of us who's act- I've been to Brazil, but never there. So kick it off. Why is that a great medium tier location? Wow, no pressure. Zero pressure. Florianopolis. <laughs> Say it one more see. time. Yeah, so, yeah, one more time. Oh, one more, oh, one more for the people really in the back. Florianopolis. <laughs> that was very Italian. <laughs> that's, that's you've been Italian in Italy for too long. <laughs> and what do people, I feel like people call it like Flori for short. Did I make that up? <laughs> uh, Floripa, yeah. They, Floripa. they shorten it. <laughs> I yeah. messed up. It, it's it's, quite, it's quite a mouth, why mouthful, it? I think. Yeah. Why Why is it a challenging destination? Well, primarily because it's difficult to pronounce, Um, but let's get into a few of the other (laughs) things. So Florianopolis is a place that we went to, oh, I want to say now, what, four years ago when we did a, we did a chapter back there, back then with Wi-Fi Tribe as well. So there's about, I think 20 of us um, staying in that place. Beautiful, beautiful place in Brazil. It's uh, very different to the other kind of destinations in Brazil that you'd imagine. So, you know, Rio, uh, Sao Paulo, for example, those are these big cities. Um, people do associate a little bit more, I guess, a little bit more danger. Well, yeah, definitely more danger with those cities as well. Florianópolis is actually a very safe place when it comes to Brazil. And it's also not about the city. It's it's all about like beaches. It's this basically this ar- archipelago. There you go. I, I really can't pronounce today. Um, but like the semi-island uh, just connected with a bridge. And uh, yeah, just a stunning destination. I think people go there to surf and maybe also to to windsurf. Um, But yeah, just a lot smaller, a smaller little town around a lake. So the lifestyle there is is just, yeah, it it really is. I would even go so far as to say, if you really want to experience Rio, um, you're going to have to come to Brazil twice. Do Rio once and then come back and do Florianópolis because they are so different, right? How's the Wi-Fi? Is it workable? Is on my side. Oh, in Brazil, did you guys? <laughs> yeah. Did you guys miss in me? Brazil? <laughs> oh, in Brazil? He's like, this is nomad problems. We're recording. He's like, wait, oh, is my, my Wi-Fi great. vibe for the podcast? <laughs> no, how's the Wi-Fi? We're not editing that out. Yes. We are not editing that out. <laughs> okay, That's part so. of it. Switch, switching right back in, not missing a beat. How's the Wi-Fi in Florida? The Wi-Fi has been um, a bit of a challenge when we were there. What, like uh, again, four years ago? It has been getting better as well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's the biggest issue. Um, bigger challenge maybe is is getting to it. There is an airport there. Otherwise, um, so you definitely have to fly out to that local airport. Um, yeah, apart from that, the only thing that I remember really that could have been a little bit more difficult is that there's not that much accommodation. It's a very small place. 
Uh, you might also like if you're if you're there for a long time and you, you're looking for, you know, more of the amenities, maybe more of these, you know, bigger, bigger city life kind of things that you that you enjoy. You're not going to find that there so much. Right. So spending a longer period of time there um, probably works better for people who want to be a little bit more out of the the, the busy kind of life. Right. Um, that's a bit of an overview. Have you, either of you guys been to Florida before or never? No. I have not. I've been to a few other places in Brazil, but I haven't been there. And I have, I know you guys with Wi-Fi Tribe have done several chapters in the last couple of years. And I have a ton of friends who have been in that location and posting all their Instagram pictures. And it just looks like beautiful beaches and awesome weekend trips. Oh, yeah. So it looks amazing. But um, that that's the perfect wrap up. Any last words for, for Floripa <laughs> before we move forward? <laughs> no, I'd pr- probably leave it there. Another thing, I guess, is language, right? That's uh, it is, it's not so common that everybody speaks English there. So that's, you're just going to have to find your way around maybe with a bit of, bit of Google translate to help you out. Perfect. Um, but yeah, it's probably Good there. Enough. Awesome. Well, next up on our list is Santa Teresa, Costa Rica. <laughs> I'll leave it to you guys to, to cover this one. Oh, Jeff, um, all you. Santa Teresa. Have you been there, Diego? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, you have been there. Okay, cool. Now we'll, we'll tag team this one. Santa Teresa is, um, I almost wouldn't even call it a city as much as I just call it a street. It kind of is just a street. It's it's basically like like a maybe five kilometer stretch along the beach on the Pacific side of of Costa Rica, and it's I guess you could probably call it like a it's like a surf town, right? Because it's it's like a really good starter definitely. place for people. Yeah. yeah, it's a really good starter place for people. The, the waves are pretty easy. I even got up, and sure enough, like I when I jumped on the board, I landed on my sneeze rib if you go back to anybody listening now go back to our episode first one. episode and listen to how, <laughs> how i cracked a rib by sneezing violently um this comes back a year later and i landed on that rib same damn rib and i was yelling I was like, god damn it are you kidding Ooh. me surfing i cracked a rib so i landed on the rib so i had one day of surfing anyways um the um <laughs> it's it's a surf town it's um it's basically like one road that that kind of um goes along the beach and you've got like all of your got all of your bougie stuff that you could possibly think of you got your like organic shops um you've got your really good eating um you've got what else diego help me out here it's just very tropical costa rica everything that you would imagine from that yeah you know what's my favorite part about that that town, and I haven't seen that anywhere else really, is it has this long strip of beach, as you were saying, then it's got this town that kind of like goes along that strip. So it's one hour walking distance from one side of the town to the other. It's it's pretty, it's 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 big, it's pretty long. But at any point when you get to the beach, you don't see the town, right? They've got this this strip of trees that is between the beach and the town. And that just makes it feel like you've got the the best part of both worlds, right? You've got the beach town there where you have access to all these things and all the, you know, the nice, nice cafes, restaurants, all that stuff. But then you just mm. step through the, you walk through those trees and step onto the beach and it feels like you are in the middle of nowhere, literally just, you know, beach yeah. in front of you, ocean in front of you, and behind you, just the jungle. Um, yeah. That's so rare. Like that's a really, yeah. really big deal. Um, so it's, it's, it's my favorite part about that town and you can rent quad bikes and go up and down. So that's how, how people really um, transport themselves around there as well. Yeah. Um, of course there's great weekend trips in, in, uh, just Costa Rica in general. So there's a really cool oh, yeah. lifestyle there. One in terms of the challenges, I would probably just add that yes, Wi-Fi there is a lot more tricky. It's one of the destinations that we do where we say, okay, this is a little bit more, more tricky, mostly in terms of stability. 
but there are some mm-hmm. co-working spaces there too. We will not name them, but there are some co-working spaces there. <laughs> um, yeah. And the other thing that's potentially tricky is uh, getting there. I went to the forbidden co-working space. The, the co-working space that must not be named. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Sorry about Diego that. Diego has beef with co-working space. <laughs> <laughs> that one, just one, one of them. <laughs> yeah, cool. it does yeah, look no, the... magical though. I've been to Costa Rica many, many a times, but never there. I know it's it's hard to get to. I always end up in the Northwest and it's South and it's, how would you say, like, yeah. it's a lot of hours driving from um, the San Jose airport or you have to take like a small little plane. So it's not the easiest to get to, but it looks beautiful from everything i've seen and just a great little surf town vibe yeah if you can take that little plane that little plane is great i didn't even know about it that plane is awesome otherwise you're on a vomit (laughs) comet bus for about five hours and you just want to hurl by the time you get there you're going over dirt roads and like the whole nine yards It's, it's pretty rough if I recall, you might have been really hungover when you took that bus there, if, if I remember this story correctly. I'm very hungover when I'm on any bus. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Some moral story is if you're going to take the bus, don't be hungover when you do it because it's windy dirt roads. <laughs> but all right. A, a plus for Santa Teresa. Yeah, a little bit hard for, I think, Wi-Fi is occasionally and just transportation getting Definitely. there. But it's got an awesome nomad community there at all times from, from what I know. So on to the next one. Um, Bo- uh, I should let you say this, Diego. Boca del Toro in, in Panama. I'm going to ruin all the Latin American names. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys been there? Have you have you been to Bocas? I spent a no. month there, yes. Yeah, I was just north of that in Puerto Viejo. So it's like one hour north actually in Costa Rica. Um, and a lot of cool. people do the border run yeah. between the two to renew their visa. Yeah. But never Bocas. I'm sure the the landscape is is similar in many ways. But what distinguishes Bocas really is, think of like that that idyllic I don't know Caribbean beach yeah. dreamy kind of thing you got going on. Like it's this it's this archipelago. No, it is an actual island I think attached to a bunch of other islands as well. Like there's a whole group of little islands there, and you've got like the mangroves going into the ocean. You've got you know there's people doing sailboats from one place to the other. But then all around the the main island and, you know, any of the buildings really that are on any of the islands, they're all on these stilts on the water, right? And that's got, and, and there's these colorful houses that also just remind you of like what you know from the Caribbean, right? So it's, it's that part of it is just, it's just amazing. I haven't really seen that in, in many other places. Um, so that's an awesome, awesome experience. Yeah, it is super unique. It's one of those places like every corner I go around, I'm like, I just have my phone out. I'm like, I want to take a picture and you can't capture it. Yeah. So it's not, um, I'm mm. I'm like a total beach girl. I love the beach. And in Bocas, the beaches aren't great on the main island. There's some places you can go, but it is like Diego said, it's more of like you're on the water everywhere you go, but it's like those houses mm. on stilts that go over it. There's kind of like docks that are always over it. There's little boats like to get from island to island. You you know, they have these little like taxis that cost a couple dollars to get everywhere. I actually lived. So there's Bocas, which is like the main island. I lived on Bostimentos, which is like a 10 minute boat ride from the main island on this. I lived just called like Red Frog Island. And um, it was really fun to be there. I think it can get a little backpackery and on the main island mm-hmm. in some places, <laughs> like it's a young just graduated party mm. kind of vibe, which can be fun. Yeah. But when I'm working all day, it's not necessarily what I want. Not so ideal. the island where I was on right across from it, um, it was super quiet. The beaches, like they're walkable beaches for hours. It's beautiful. The Wi-Fi is definitely one of the hardest parts um, on that island. It's definitely better on the main island. 
And Bocas can be um, just a little bit hard to get to, I would say, is one of the challenges. It's like you fly into Panama mm. City and have to take a smaller plane there and boats around. But yeah, the, I love all of the little weekend trips of just it's like island after island that just is beautiful Caribbean. And I, I think Panama is super underrated. It's beautiful. So different from place to place as well, right? So I will say in terms of internet, the, they're okay. They're, yeah. they're definitely workable, um, but it hasn't been like, you don't have many cafes there. So if you're that kind of, you know, you enjoy working from cafes, you're not really going to find much of that. Um, and you do have to make sure that whatever place you decide to stay at, you're, you, you know, you check, you do that internet check beforehand because yeah. it's not a given um, at all in Bocas. Also because of what you said, Marissa, where it's just, there is a big sort of backpacker party crowd there as well. And while there is, whilst there is almost always a, a decent, uh, you know, number of, of digital nomads um, in terms of the community there, there's not that many, right? Yeah. So it's not so super established for that yet. But yeah, stunning place. Oh, and biggest tip is go to, I think he's called the Flying Pirate or something weird like that. And you need <laughs> to do the quad bike trip where yeah. it, it is absolutely nuts. You go into the jungle and every now and then you're just, you know, zooming in and out of the jungle. You When you zoom out, you just see, again, idyllic Caribbean beaches in front of you. It's It's amazing. <laughs> and this guy... He calls himself a flying pirate because he's literally missing a leg and he has a pirate leg. Um, and he's, he's this, this American guy from like Southern America, Southern North America. Um, and he's apparently set all of these traps along that, that oh path because other companies were trying to use his, you know, his business. So he's basically, he calls him, he set booby traps up for, for all of these other people. So you have to go with him. Otherwise you're probably going to get into some kind of trouble and be stuck in the jungle somewhere. So um, but it is an insane. ATV tour yeah. with a one-legged pirate with traps. Jesus. Do it. Do Sounds it. like okay. my kind of travel place. I was going to ask you too, is, is there ever a place you've gone to Diego and you haven't gone quad biking? This is like a very serious question. I don't question. go to those places. <laughs> you just yeah, don't. Same. Diego loves quad biking. <laughs> to Jeff same. too. It's the, it's the so best. So funny. It's, the best. Um, it's great. There's also... I know we did a lot of uh, quad biking together in all in Bolivia, which is fun. But yeah, so Bocas also good for scuba diving, just generally good for yes. the water. But all right, so I think we've covered Bocas. Next up, this is another one for both of you. Is I, I just want to stop saying them, but Puerto Escondido, please you say it instead. And in, in Mexico, bad. I butchered it. Diego's like embarrassed. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's great, but you say it with much more flair. I think he's just being nice. I think he goes, "Welcome to Puerto Escondido." Yeah. <laughs> Perfect, guys. So yeah. people love this destination. I'm not even going to say it anymore because I just butcher it. But what is so amazing <laughs> about this lovely little beach town? Well, so Jeff, you and I spent uh, the beginning, uh, well, the period right before COVID there, right? So it was beginning of yeah. 2020. Yeah. I think we that had, was yeah, the yeah, last bunch time. Of us. There was like 30 of us. Yeah, I think that was the last time we traveled. Together. So that was January 2020. Yeah, you've been avoiding me since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've traveled the so entire globe. Into, Take a signal, will you? <laughs> <laughs> getting into Puerto Escondido, I can let me see what I can sort of say about that place. We, I remember when we were there, we looked at it and we were like, okay, this place is about to explode. It is, it's in, it's awesome, right? There's a small community. There's um, two sides to this. Think about one long beach that probably is about an hour's walk as well from one side to the other, probably even a little bit more. And there are really two sides to that beach. One is this built up side that is in the north. And then in the south, you have this um, this not so built up side called Cicatela. 
And that area is really where, like, that's the one that I would recommend. It's really where, where it's all at. You've got, it, it started yeah. initially as more of like a, like a hippie and surfer destination. And it's kind of how these, these t- typical beach towns evolve. It starts with sort of hippies and surfers coming in there <laughs> first, really like building out a cool scene, like, you know, cool chilled out vibe. Mm-hmm. And then next come the digital nomads. And um, then the, all the cafes start popping up there, all the hipster cafes that make me really happy. And then after that, you start to get sort of more of that mainstream attention. And that's what we were seeing when we were there, right? Um, there was already, you know, a, a decent number of digital nomads there. So we were 30. We were pre- we pretty much took over the entire little town, the entire little beach town. But there were probably a few others there as well at the time. Yeah, we must have been like 25% of their GDP. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're... <laughs> Definitely very significant. I don't want to know what happened after after we left. But yeah, now now coming back in, there's uh, we were like, okay, we should have invested here. The place is absolutely blown up, right? So that's one thing to bear mm-hmm. in mind. Probably a good place to get to soon before it gets too too overcrowded um, and really expensive as well. But in short, what is it about this place that's that's incredible? It is um, kind of like a tight little town still feels very authentic when it comes to Mexico. So you might've been implying you're like, oh, this is super built up. It's it's not that, right? It really feels like it's still the authentic part of Mexico. Um, yeah, just good good surfing, long beach. You can play volleyball out there. It's uh, You can certainly rent quad bikes. So that's obviously why it contends <laughs> on, our, on our list. <laughs> and uh, internet is the only thing that I will say is probably your, your biggest challenge there. It can be decent, like good, good enough to work for sure. Every now and then, though, you can have these full-on outages where it's not just the internet is out, but like the internet is out, uh, phone signal is out, um, you know, phone data, everything, right? You can't even call your grandma to ask her to tell your parents to tell your team that you're not going to make it to a call. Like, there's you can't do anything at that point. It's it's all shut down, and that's happened to us maybe once a month or so on average. Um, so something yeah. to bear in mind if you absolutely cannot afford to be offline, um, you know, without knowing right? Without having planned it. Those moments are yeah, hard. Um, I just want to say to that, there's times if like internet goes out, but we talked about in a previous episode that you can still have a local SIM card and tether your phone to, you know, your phone data. But moments like that are tricky because sometimes they're unexpected and it's not like you can take your phone and message someone and just say, Hey, by the way, my Wi-Fi is out, can't make it or whatever. It's like you are blackout, no way to communicate. So especially if you're, you know, brand new and thinking about heading into nomad life or you're working for an employer where that absolutely cannot happen, be mindful. So that's why we kind of warn these is like, they're great locations when they're great, but it's a little bit tricky for some reasons. But yeah, Jeff, fill us in on your point of view too. So I compare it to Santa Teresa in that it's, uh, it is a beach town. It's also like quite a big surf town as well. Um, and it's still got the same, all the features that you expect, just kind of dirt road kind of thing. Um, but I think it's a little different because where you're staying and, and typically you're probably going to want to stay in Zicatela is a little bit quieter. So if, if you're in Santa Teresa, it's just one big road and there's quads going back and forth all day long, just dust and quads. And it's really, really noisy. If you want something that's a little bit slower paced, I would say, and just a little bit quieter, I think... Yeah. Puerto Escondido will probably fit that bill a little bit better. And you're going to be looking at pretty much similar type of internet. So if you're comparing based on internet, you're going to have pretty much the same thing. Uh, The only difference is, like Diego mentioned, you'll just have an outage and everything, like the world goes to the Stone Age. Whereas in Santa Teresa, it did that, but they at least Mm. give us warning. In a couple, they say like, okay, in a couple days, we're having an outage for 
five hours and we just went down to Manuel Antonio. Um, you couldn't do that in Puerto Escondido. You just disappear from the planet for a few hours and you just hope that it's going to come <laughs> back on. So for all intents and purposes, if you're working for an organization, you are dead for a few hours and they'll have no idea where you are or what happened to you. So if that is a like a major sticking point for you, you do need to be cognizant of that. Um, other than that, like you said, it's perfect for digital nomads. You've got the, you've got the beach right there. Like we walk to the beach every single day. I think people made it a point to see 31 sunsets in 31 days and they, and they did just playing volleyball, drinking out of coconuts, going to the beach. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. And also another tip, if you're going to Puerto Escondido, the price difference is huge. Costa Rica is particularly expensive. Puerto Escondido was very, very cheap. Um, we rented a scooter for, I think, 220 US for an entire month, right? So, I mean, you're, you're looking at like a few bucks a day. And we took those things everywhere. Dirt roads, highways, the beach, everywhere. That that poor thing made it through hell and back. And it was for old, only 200 bucks American, something like that. Um, so, yeah, great location, up and coming. Definitely keep an eye on it. Sounds amazing. All right. So these first, we're kind of focusing on, uh, I guess, like, we want to say Central South America, but really mostly just Central America are these medium tier destinations. And they've all been by the beach so far. So we've got one more here. And it's the only non-beach location. So we'll explain why it's medium tier. But I'll throw it back to you guys as well for Oaxaca and Mexico as well. So Jeff, I know this is one of your favorites. And Diego, you spent some time there as well. So Jeff, why don't you kick it off on why do you love this place? What makes it one of the kind of medium locations? Yeah, I actually went to Oaxaca when I was in Puerto Escondido. Um, It's just a short little plane trip away. It's maybe less than a hundred bucks or something like that. Um, You can do that or you can take the Vomit Comet bus, like I told you about, to get up there. (laughs) I not recommend that. But Oaxaca, the city. So there's Oaxaca, the state in which... Uh, Puerto Escondido lives. And then there's Oaxaca, the city. And Oaxaca, the city is surrounded with mount- by mountains. So it's just kind of like a bowl in the middle there. And it's very, very, it's like old historical and it feels very colonial. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got the, the stoops and the windows. You've got all the bright colors, all that kind of stuff. The cobblestone streets. Um, and then you've got Probably the highlight for me is the food is out of this world. Mm-hmm. It's like a culinary, it's like the culinary capital of Mexico. It really is. Um, and it's unbelievably cheap. You could go to a place and get one of the best meals of your life and not spend more than, you know, 20, 25 bucks American, something like that. So from that perspective, it's absolutely perfect. Getting around is pretty easy as well. Um, like everything is pretty centrally located. You could walk from one end of Oaxaca to the other in maybe an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. Um, if you really wanted to walk from end to end. So it's, it's pretty easy to get around. Um, and on top of that, a personal favorite of mine, if you're a mezcal drinker, or if you think that you want to get into mezcal, that is the place to go. There are more mezcalerias per capita than anywhere in the world. You walk down the street and it's hard to miss them. You walk in and they'll give you, they'll tell you the history of their mezcal. They'll give you a tasting and you'll walk out of there stumbling drunk, having had drank way too much mezcal. And it's absolutely amazing. Diego, any other thoughts? Um, Ada, I know you spent some time there. And then also share. So Jeff just shared all the amazing things, basically food and alcohol and quaint little town. But what else what makes it hard? 
all that matters. You don't need to work while we're just kidding. We always work, but yeah. So you want me to just tear just, Oaxaca down? Yep. Just what what makes it <laughs> what, what makes getting. it not the perfect starter location? But you can say your favorite things as well too. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start with my favorite things. <laughs> it's actually going to be difficult to tear Oaxaca down because it is a really cool place. Um, but I will try to see if I can get into some of the some of the different things there. So, um, I'd say to to kick us off here. Like to give it some perspective, Oaxaca is another one of those that I would consider an up and coming destination. Um, more more known than Puerto Escondido for sure, but it is uh, is also not mainstream yet. So that's really interesting. Cool time to go over there for sure. Um, just anecdotally from from Wi-Fi Tribe, we have been doing now. I think we've now done two chapters there, so two trips each time. There were about twenty five people there, so it is already very popular within our community. And we know that we're going to be doing more of those just because the demand for that location is very high. So that gives you an idea of what people who, you know, are doing this as a, you know, as a full-time kind of lifestyle um, are thinking and where this is kind of trending. So yeah, definitely really cool place. Um, I would say what I, what like identifies it really is, uh, as, as Jeff was saying, so food is a huge part of it. It's, it's, it's very cultural, right? It's a place in Mexico where you don't just get the, um, you get everything that is Mexican in one place, but rather Oaxaca is like, you get specifically what is Oaxacan? Um, and, and you know, that's the Oaxacan food is what you're going to mostly get there, right? Um, so actually expect less of the classic Mexican food that you're used to. And you're going to be trying and tasting a lot of, more of these moles. But it also is very cultural in a sense of just the everything that you see around you, the the traditions that people have there, how there's a lot more like um, art, uh, you know, what's it called? Like the, the handy, handicraft type of um, thing. So that kind of stuff is really cool. And then, of course, the Day of the Dead. People come from all over the world literally just mm-hmm. to experience Day of the, the Dead in Oaxaca. Um, and I think if, if you've seen, uh, what was that? That Disney uh, movie? I know the uh, one you're talking one. about, but I don't know the name of it. Coco? Yeah, Coco, I, right? I think that's right. Yeah, yeah Coco. right. So Coco is inspired from Oaxaca, from the city of, of Oaxaca. So yeah, if you, if you enjoyed that one, definitely have a, have a think about that awesome place. Um, I would say internet is okay. Um, so can vary across yeah. the places that you go to, but generally you're going to be fine. It is also bigger, bigger, like it's not a huge city, but it is a bigger city. So you're always going to have options um, to find something good that's workable. There's plenty of cafes, plenty of restaurants that'll let you work from there. Yeah, all in all, that's that's all really the, the good stuff about it. It's easily accessible too, so that's not difficult either. Either um, weather-wise, it can get quite hot there. It's very arid. And then the other thing I would uh-huh. say is that you're, you're going to do less kind of like weekend trips. There's less of those kind of things going on there, so it's really all about dropping yourself in and enjoying the culture. And what right? about? So I know for Wi-Fi Tribe, for anyone who hasn't been on a chapter before, it's basically like you've got apartments and a built-in community set up. So in my opinion, you could drop us anywhere in the world and the community wouldn't matter because you've got your people. That's my favorite thing about Wi-Fi Tribe. But my question for you is if you weren't on a chapter there, does that make it kind of a hard place uh, for starting out nomadically not, if you don't have like your built-in yeah, crew? Not necessarily. Um, yeah, there, there is a co-working Jeff, I think you spot that. there. Yeah, there is a because I I did go there without a community. I lived there for I think about six weeks or so, and there is uh, there is co-working there. There's a place called Convivio, C O N V I V I O, and it's a co-working spot in the center of town. And they're mostly digital nomad types that go there. So if you want to meet somebody, that's a really good place to do it. They have a lot of after hours stuff. Um, they've got like, they've got dance, they've got um, uh, mezcal tasting, music, all that kind of stuff. So it kind of doubles as like, I don't know, like a, a bit of a club at night. So 
if you are going alone, that's probably the first place that I would start to meet people. Sounds good. But it is interesting if I'm hearing you, it's like there's a one place to go to for nomads. Whereas I think about our starter locations where it's like there's nomads everywhere you can't find. So maybe that's like part of the it's existent, it sounds like, but maybe part of the medium tier as well. Especially because you're thinking about a place here that's quite big in terms of the the city. And there is, you know, in a bigger city, if you if it's not like a total digital nomad hub, there are going to be relatively few digital nomads. Whereas in these smaller places we've just talked about, like even Boca's, Santa Teresa, those places are so small that any number of digital nomads there is going to feel like you have, like the community is going to feel a little bit tighter, right? Um, And that's why we didn't put, we'll do a whole nother episode dedicated to some of the best nomad cities, just in terms of like enjoying going there. But in general, we have included big cities in our first starter ones because you're just kind of part of a city. You're not really like seeing nomads everywhere. So it makes them not as great starter locations, just in terms of that community needed. But Sounds like all great things, guys. So let's move on to shift gears over to Europe across the pond where all of us are right now. And the first one on our list here for the medium tier was Crete in in Greece. So Diego, I know you guys did a Wi-Fi tribe chapter there that you attended. We're hosting there. So tell us what makes that great and what also makes it a little bit challenging just as a starter. Yeah, that was actually the first chapter that we did after COVID. So um, first challenge was literally just talking to people. Like I didn't know how that worked anymore. So it was weird for us. To, literally, literally, there's 20 of us arriving and, and all of us clearly had the same thing on our minds. And it was a bit of social awkwardness for 24 hours. And then we kind of got back into it. We're like, oh, this is how it works, right? Very rusty. No, but that's that was sort of specific to our situation, of course. Crete is, um, yeah, I actually love talking about this one because you know what? Crete, as a European, I can tell you has a specific like you have the specific idea of Crete, which is, oh, it's this holiday destination, right? Or it's this place where there's, you know, like maybe the the older generation goes there just to have have a holiday or like it's a family holiday destination. Nobody ever thinks of it as a place for digital nomads or as a place for just more like a lifestyle kind of thing. Um, so we came in with that preconception and kind of expected not to enjoy it. And when we when we did then have an amazing time there, we're like, okay, now I can see how this could over time become more of a nomad hub as well. That's the first thing to really talk about. There is no uh, nomad hub per se in Crete. I do believe that that will over time start to develop. I I think it's going to be an up and coming destination for sure, Um, but it's not there yet, right? So it was very helpful for us to kind of like have have our crew there, but that doesn't mean that it's not a cool place in terms of like the lifestyle and how you can plug yourself in. And certainly there are going to be, you know, digital nomads moving around. There's just not really a a hub for that. There's no nucleus that brings that brings people together. So that makes it a little bit more challenging, right? Now, um, in terms of other things, you just it's a relatively small island. I mean, it's a it's one of uh, Greece's biggest islands, but it's a relatively small island. It allows you to kind of like drive around all of it and really really explore it. There's so much to do for the weekends. So certainly, really really love that. Stunning beaches, all that kind of stuff, right? All the all the good things. Um, and there are three cities that you probably want to be in. There's Khania. There's um, Retimno, and then there is, uh, I think it's called Irakio. And a personal favorite is Retimno, which is the one kind of in the middle of those two. It is a little bit smaller, so you, you can just kind of navigate it a little bit better. Just feels, I don't know, feels in a way a little bit more more authentic. Uh, and yeah, they all have cool cafes to work from, so all that's stable as well. Internet has been really good. We had no issues uh, when it comes to that. And yeah, all in all, great foods, very friendly people, very direct, but very friendly people. 
Um, that's that's about it. Oh, language. Language is certainly a challenge there as well because not everybody um, speaks English. So I, we we actually use Google Translate all the time. Like we were writing something in there, speaking into it, passing it on to the other person, and it was a hit or miss. Fifty percent of the time, we might get it right. That's it so works. fun. I know Greece is one of my favorite places. Just for, I haven't been to Crete. I've been to some other islands, but it's beautiful. I just feel like the scenes there are amazing. And it's funny as a as coming from the American side, not European. I don't have that connotation of Crete. It's just kind of like another island that's like beautiful in Greece that's very far from the U.S. So, um, but it's it's fun to hear the different connotations of it beforehand. So. Awesome for that. Next on our European list is Mallorca in Spain. I forget, Diego, have you been there before? No, you haven't. So I'll cover this one. I was actually only there for a week with um, with a group of college friends. So this was right as I was kind of easing into my nomad journey. So I didn't stay for, I wasn't like there for a month working like I normally am. So I can't talk as much the nomad scene personally, but I do know since then, that was maybe four or five years ago since I went, that I've seen it really just expanding. To me, it feels like a lot of Europe, like a lot of digital nomads who are European kind of choose to go there because it's got great weather a lot of the year. It's just really beautiful. I think it's got great Wi-Fi. I can't even speak to it as much, um, but it's really just starting to be um, a budding nomad scene. So I would say it goes on our medium list. One, I guess it's an island. It's like, you know, harder to get to a little bit. You can you can still fly in, but if you're coming from far away, maybe you have to have a transfer somewhere. And really it's just, I would say on the medium tier because it's only getting started in terms of that community. So I would, maybe if we fast forward a couple of years, I bet it'll be one of the hot spots, but um, that's pretty much it. There's like a pretty big town and in, in the main part of it, but there's tons of like really awesome, like cliffy places and beautiful, just like beautiful Mediterranean kind of water. And it's fun to just get in a car. Like you said, it kind of about crease. It's a fairly small Island. So it's not like so small, like it sounds like, you know, it's not like one road, like Santa Teresa, but, um, if you get in a car, it's like fun to go explore and there's like caves and, you know, all sorts of stuff to do. So, Look out for that one coming up. But if you're in Europe or, you know, love the culture or Spain or want to check it out, that could be a great one for you. Um, the other one on our medium tier list, a lot of a lot of these didn't make our list for Europe because they're more sit like I feel like when I think of nomading in Europe, it's like really cities. So we'll get to a lot more of Europe when we talk about cities to nomad in. Um, but we actually had Banksco. We we argued about this one because we covered Banksco Bulgaria on our easy to do list, and somehow it made it onto our medium tier one as well. It's where I am right now. I've come to really really love it. But I would say the only thing that actually makes it medium tier is that I guess it's a little farther to get to. Most of the places will cover. You know, you want an airport to be just like you arrive and you're within a 10, 20, 30, 40 minute drive or something. Banksco's I would say it's like a two hour, fifteen minute drive from Sofia, which is the main international airport you fly into Bulgaria. So it's just a little bit to get there. I mean, you can hire a car. It's like, I think it was 55 euros or something like that to, to hire a car to take me here. Super simple, super safe. But it's also, I don't know, I don't think of it nomadic because I love all the beach places, but it's a little mountain town. It's been truly, truly amazing. I'll share some more details on it another time, but it's... um just budding in terms of the nomad community, but the people who are here, like I keep running into people who are like, I came in October. It's it's like August right now. They're like, I keep meaning to leave, but I just don't because it's it's so easy and so great. So <laughs> it's a it gets medium tier. The Wi-Fi has been great, honestly. So really, and the community is great. It's just kind of far from, I would say, a main airport. 
So other than that, also you um, get kind of a gears. bonus there too, right? Because I mean, when you look at it, Europe, uh, one of the prohibiting factors you can that you'll find is cost. A lot of Western Europe is really yes. expensive. Um, but heading your direction where I'm at now in Romania, um, it's actually a little bit more affordable, right? So true. Yeah. Once you start getting into Eastern Europe, it's definitely more affordable compared to when you think about Spain, Italy, Germany, France, like those kinds of places. So yeah, it's really cheap here right now. And even Romania, Jeff, we're looking at places to stay. I have a local Romanian friend who I've traveled with and he was like, prices are already um, like 30% higher than they used to be a couple of years ago. So I guess it's maybe just starting to inch up, which is interesting, but it's definitely still less expensive than most of the common places that people go in Western Europe. And in terms of the language here, I would say um, it's pretty easy. Most most everyone speaks English in terms of like the cafes, the restaurants, like the places kind of right in the heart of town that you would need to interact with. Um, but it's, it's not very fluent. And the farther out you get, it's actually one of the places, it's been really fun for me because it's more challenging. Like if I'm out hiking, it's not, you know, there's not signage everywhere. It's not like total touristy places. And whenever I try to ask for directions, people are just like, no, like, no, no. And it's even trying to say hello and thank you, which I try to learn in every language or in every country that I go to, like it's, it's been three weeks I've been here and I'm still struggling to say it. So, um, it's not a prohibiting factor, but it's something to consider. So with that, moving continents again over to India, we have Goa on the list. I don't think, Diego, have you been there before? Yeah, none of us have been, but I'm going to still throw it to you, Diego, just to talk about because a Wi-Fi chapter went, I saw a bunch of pictures from friends there. It looked beautiful, but any insight just from, from afar from that? Yeah, yeah. And I can definitely speak to it a little bit because obviously I've had a lot of conversations with a team about it and other other members who've been there. So we did a chapter there, I want to say, about two years ago. I think it was the end of 2019. And uh, it was very exciting for us because it was the first time that we were going into India and we were asking ourselves, well, where in India would be a great place to to go to? And after a bunch of research, we realized, okay, first spot should probably be Goa because Goa is a little bit more of like an easier destination that you can do when it comes to um, to India. Um, apparently it's, yeah, it's just really nice in terms of the beaches there. So again, it's, it's more like a beach vibe kind of place. You know, you can rent, rent scooters, rent motorbikes and, um, and really like get, get through the town there. So I'm already getting that, you know, bit, a bit of that feeling that you might be getting in Bali. That's what a lot of people were saying as well, that it felt a little bit like, you know, Bali in the early days kind of situation. Um, there's also part of Go apparently that's quite built up already, uh, in terms of, you know, tourism and, and hotels and all of that. Um, so there's apparently two different areas there. So you probably want to stay in the part that's not as like, you know, big, big and touristy and hotel-y. Um, but yeah, generally people said a little bit more of a challenge in terms of just understanding everything, feeling safe. That was some of the comments, um, that people made more, more, I guess, from a, from a cultural perspective, they weren't quite sure when they were safe, when, when they weren't. Um, but that's just something to bear in mind. Um, again, nothing happened and it really doesn't seem like a place that, that is particularly dangerous. Um, but that's one thing to bear in mind that if you're traveling alone, maybe especially as a female um, solo traveler, um, something to take into consideration there. Um, internet was was decent, really depends on the place that you're at. Worked, worked out for us, but they also said that many of the cafes didn't have um, such good Wi-Fi. So that's one thing to, to really, really think about and ask your you know, your Airbnb, if you're looking for a specific Airbnb as you, as you go there. Also not much of a digital nomad community there yet, because it's a place that I would say 
I would say is not even up and coming yet. Like it <laughs> could be a place that that would get there in the in the future. But yeah, certainly a cool place to try out. Perfect. So after that on the list in Asia, we've got Pai in Thailand. So we covered Chiang Mai, which is one of the easiest places in Thailand as a digital nomad. So Pai is about, uh, I want to say, was it like a three or four hour drive? Did I make that up? Two hours? I honestly can't remember now. Diego and I were living in Chiang Mai and did a weekend trip to Pai. And it is, Jeff, if you're talking about getting carsick in these buses, it I think people count the curves. I can't remember, but it's like the windiest of roads. Like every single oh, one of no. us got out of that bus. Even the people who don't get car sick, like got out of that car and were like, I, I'm not sure I'm going to be okay. But once you get there, so I would say a big factor is just getting there. There's not like an airport directly. You fly into, you know, Chiang Mai and drive a couple hours and um, but it's a really cute, it's a, it's funny you mentioned earlier, Diego, a lot of these stars, like the little hippie towns that then like become more well-known. This is still, I feel like in the prime of hippie town, um, which is kind of fun. It's like just in the mountains and it's just got that super laid back vibe. Um, we didn't work from there. So we were just there for a weekend. So I think I would say the Wi-Fi is maybe, I don't even know, maybe kind of not amazing, but workable because I know a lot of people do stay there and work. But community, I would say, is probably one of the easiest parts about being there in terms of this medium tier destination. Um, like you're there and it just feels like everyone you see is kind of like, whether it's backpacker, nomad, traveler, it's like so easy. It's kind of one main street and there's food everywhere and it's really easy to meet people. But any other thoughts to add to that one, Diego? Yeah, no, just a, a fun little place. Uh, certainly very different to Chiang Mai, right? So if you yeah. if you come into Chiang Mai and you realize this is a bit too busy for me, it's a little bit too like built up, then you're going to be very happy heading over to Pai and, and giving that a try instead. It's a very different vibe. Yeah, perfect. So from there, we've got um, another one in Thailand for the medium tier, which is Koh Yang, which is an island. So I've been to several of the islands in Thailand on the other side. Diego, you haven't been to this one either, correct me, right? So again, no, no. harder to talk to from personal experience, but definitely wanted to include it because so many, like the people who end up there love it. It's like a diverse paradise, really inexpensive to live like a amazing life on the beach. So it's, it's like almost kind of like, I think Bali, but on steroids in terms of the like hippie vibe is kind of what I would say. It's an island that's kind of built on this crystal like energy. And so if you love that spiritual experience, I kind of can't believe I haven't been yet, but I will find my way there at some point, I'm sure. Uh, but it's just another great little one and just a little harder to get to, I would say. Um, I I can't speak personally to the internet, but I know tons of nomads who have lived there for, said they were going to stay for weeks, stay for months. So I know it's workable. Can't give you the details, but it is a great one. And then last on our list of 12 is Hue An in Vietnam. And again, none of us have lived there unless I'm, am I, am I right there, guys? Yeah. So I I went to Vietnam, but I was in Hanoi and then um, farther in the main city in the South. But I included this one on the list, not from personal experience, but every nomad I know who has spent a long time in Vietnam. So I was there for a shorter time, but people go to Hoi An and they stay forever. And I don't mean forever, ever, but people who say they're going to go for a couple of weeks or they're just going to, you know, drive by for a little bit on the way somewhere else end up spending like one, two, three to six months in Hoi An because they just love it. So it's on the water. I think you get the local vibe of Vietnam, but it's just very peaceful, very workable. There's some great um, hostels and co-working spaces and things like that. 
So it's up and coming. I think the community, it's a smaller community than probably some of the other like starter locations that we name, but definitely a fairly easy community to tap into once you're there. But just a little bit more off the path for now, I think it will start popping up as a bigger one soon. So those are a list of 12. I also want to note that we don't have any on the continent of Africa here, mostly because just at the moment, they're still on the more difficult side, I would say, in terms of Wi-Fi, but mostly community. There's just not as many hotspots. So we'll talk about maybe some of the cities on the list we'll add from Africa. Um, but yeah, when you've got Wi-Fi community, it's just not as um, just not a path for it quite yet in the digital nomad world. So I hope that changes. I've spent some time um, there traveling, but it's it's not the easy one yet in this life. But anything you guys want to add as we wrap up this episode? Yeah, just really to to, to let you guys know that we, we love doing these because it's really great to be able to, you know, we, we've traveled to so many different places and to be, to be able to kind of like um, connect the dots and say, well, this is like this in this way or that's like that. It gives you a, a really good idea of, you know, what different places are like as you compare them. And that helps you make a better decision for where, you know, what might be suited really well for you, where you might want to start. So we will probably at some point even do, you know, these are the, you know, much more challenging ones that you yeah. want to have in the back of your mind as you start to get more comfortable. And certainly several places in Africa will will be on that list as well because they're amazing, amazing. places to go to, but you want to be ready for them, yeah. right? You want to have a little bit more experience under your belt. And then I think one that we're going to be doing really soon as well might be the next one is going to be all about the the bigger cities that you that you might want to go to as you're, um, as you're nomading, nomading. And the reason that we're separating that out is because it's a very different experience, right? So if yeah. you're the big city kind of type, um, look out for that one. That'll be a very interesting one to, to get a feel for. Yeah. And I also love these. I know a lot of people, when there's like new digital nomad forums or Facebook groups, people always, when they're first getting started, are like, where should I go? Like, what what am I? And, and everybody's so different. So that's why when we share these, even between the three of us, well, I feel like Diego and Jeff have more similar styles and what they like. And I like different things. So there's not one size fits all. And that's why if, if you would ask us, like, where should I start? You know, there's not one straight answer because some people like beaches, cities, Definitely. woods, you know, this, that, the other. And they all have different vibes. And to me, that's kind of the part of the, the fun of traveling. I love to go everywhere and just see what it's like. And some places you love and never want to leave. And some places you're like, all right, cool. Like, that was good, but I'm, I'm ready to go. So there is no one size fits all. So if you're just getting started and wondering where to start, check out our starter episode and then just think about these. They all have a different vibe of, of what you personally like and are looking for. And part of it's learning your own travel style. So hopefully this episode was super helpful for you. And I guess that is, that's it. We will be back soon. Yep. That is a wrap. So thanks guys for listening. If you are um, interested in getting a job, becoming remote to live as a digital nomad, you can always check out. We have the seven most common jobs that digital nomads in our community do. So you can go to beachcommute.com slash seven jobs. Yeah, the number seven jobs. And then we have a course that teaches you everything you need to know to figure out which one's right for you, how to get that remote job. You can go to beachcommute.com slash GRE. And thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with some new episodes. Bye. See you next time, everybody. Awesome, awesome. See you next time.